This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hey, this is Spencer Garrett. I was Simon Tarsus on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, and you are listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm back as your judge, jury, and of course the executioner, Richard Marquez. And joining me again on the Plano side is the confident... This time, Justin Ozer. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing great. Yeah, this is our first recording of the year. It's nice to be doing more Earl Grey in 2018. Yay, 2018! <laughs> <laughs> We're all still here. <laughs> and on the defendant side is, as always, the lovely Amy Nelson. How you doing, Amy? I'm doing great. And when this drops, we will have seen a new episode of Discovery starting the last six episodes. So very excited for that to get going again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And we'll hear you on postcards <laughs> from the edge again, right? That's right. In a couple days on Thursday. Exciting news. <laughs> All right. Well, it looks like we might have, uh, have a iTunes contest winner. Justin, who won? Yeah, so as listeners might remember, we were having an iTunes contest through the end of December, and the prize was the Art of Juan Ortiz for the Next Generation. And we do have a winner out of the reviews that we got. So the winner is user Foz Rotten. So Foz is F-O-Z. So please contact us so we can send you that book. Congratulations and thanks for everyone that participated by giving us an iTunes star rating and written review. Yay, that was so fun to read comments that we got. So thank you for participating, listeners. All right. Well, so uh, looks like we have a little bit of feedback from the Babel Conference. So I guess let's just start with uh, Earl Grey 207. Uh, for those of you that might have missed it, that would be the Melinda Snodgrass interview. And um, I must say, that was a fun interview. And um, do you, would you guys agree? Absolutely. It was so nice to have her on and to get her perspective on writing it was great it was it was amazing i love that we were able to get a next generation writer who wrote the measure of a man which is an amazing episode and hopefully we'll have some more interviews lined up for you in the future absolutely well let's oh let's let's make that as a goal yeah <laughs> let's make that our new year's resolution excellent yeah <laughs> there you go i don't believe in new year's resolutions but i will on this time for this one time <laughs> so some of the feedback uh brandon shamutella said great interview guys you should be very proud what a wonderful guest to get on your show agreed she is wonderful 
And uh, Tim Robertson said, that was a great interview. Really enjoyed the conversation and insights. Uh, thanks, Tim. Appreciate you and all of the other listeners who listened to the interview. And Christopher Baca, uh, great interview. It seems Trek is a very stressful show to be a part of. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> uh, with all those interviews that uh, that are on all those DVDs, uh, specials and everything, I'm sure. Yeah, they've shown their frustration. Yeah, that's for sure. and combine <laughs> that with Chaos on the Bridge, definitely, back in yeah. the day. Yeah, if listeners haven't seen Chaos on, on the Bridge, that's an excellent documentary about the first two seasons of The Next Generation when things were kind of crazy <laughs> mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's uh it's kind of a shame that it could i mean i think it could be stressful to work on any tv or, or movies but uh we've heard a lot of stories about it being difficult on the next generation and we're just grateful for everyone that you know stuck it out to to give us the content that we love absolutely absolutely so moving along um we're also going to talk about the babel conference uh comments that were or feedback that was on the facebook page for earl gray 208 and that would be the first part of this episode, <laughs> the courtroom dramas part one, and um, I actually had a lot of fun. Um, uh, and you guys, I'm, I'm I'm assuming you guys had a lot of fun uh, talking about the first uh, four seasons of uh, TNG and courtroom dramas. Yeah, definitely. And I really enjoy how we're sort of clumping them and seeing just all the courtrooms together. It's really given me a a new perspective and insight into what. Federation and Star Trek has for justice and stuff like that. So it's it's been really fun. Looking forward to finishing it up today. Yeah, definitely. And sorry we had to leave you on a cliffhanger because there's two weeks between these two episodes. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. To, I love when we look at things through a certain perspective through the next generation. And that's that's a lot of fun. All right. So um, one of the comments on the Babel Conference, Johnson Lay. Lai, Lay, so sorry for Lay. Okay, probably. <laughs> well, he says an interesting perspective on TNG. Looking forward to part two. Well, you get it right now. However, I have to call you out on one thing. Uh oh. He says when Justin was recapping Sins of the Father, he said Doros was Worf's father, and nobody corrected him. LOL. <laughs> well, of course we know Doros is not Worf's father. But that was our bad, just a slip up there. Yeah, you know, and I, I, obviously none of us realized it while we were recording. It's one of those things that just kind of went by. And then as I was listening to it and saw the comment, I was like, oh no, I got that wrong. And I, I felt, I felt pretty bad about it, but um, well, yes. It's always good to have listeners <laughs> keeping us on our toes. So thank you it for is. doing and, that. And you know, we host this show, but we're far from perfect. So, but you know what? I think today when we're doing the recaps, maybe we should just read them from memory alpha to make sure that we don't have any <laughs> slip ups like that. Because when you're trying to like make up what you remember on the fly, you, mistakes can happen. Yeah. But no, I appreciate listeners are <laughs> paying attention, keeping us honest. Yeah. So, so listener uh, Eddie Hagler said, in justice, the punishment of death for breaking the law is reminiscent of the biblical story of the Garden of Eden that only one law existed and only one punishment. Yeah, so thank you, Eddie, for that comment. That's an interesting thing I didn't even think about. And there is this religious context with this God in the sky for, for the Edo, but I didn't really think of it as like a, a comparison to what you see in the Bible. So that's very interesting. Yeah, that is. Well, thank you, listeners, for those comments. And thank you. <laughs> yeah, keep them coming. We appreciate it. Yes. Yes, very much so. Yes. 
Okay, so today we will be concluding the two-part series of the determination of sentence for host Amy and also Justin. <laughs> oh, rock show, rock show. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Um, okay, so today we're going to be talking about part two of the courtroom dramas of The Next Generation for seasons four through seven. And we'd like to thank, uh, again, Standard Orbit as the inspiration for this episode and listener Rebecca Skipper. I haven't seen any lawyers at my door. Have you guys? Yes. No. Thankfully, Standard Orbit has not, <laughs> not uh, sued not us. yet. But, you know, Ken has that army uniform of yours, uh, Richard, and uh, I don't know if he might be paying you a visit. And it looks fantastic <laughs> on him, and he should join the army <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now I'll get sued. <laughs> but thank you for suggesting uh, th- uh, that we do something similar here on Earl Grey that they did on Standard Orbit for doing uh, TNG courtroom dramas. So thank you guys for uh, for suggesting that. Today, what we're going to be discussing, obviously, like we just said before, we're going to be doing the last four, uh, four or, well, three seasons of uh, TNG, not four, because there's not eight, obviously. Um, <laughs> it is four seasons, though, four, five, six, seven. Although there's none in six, but yeah. Whatever. The last part. Yeah. Yes. Okay. The yeah. last half. All right. All right. The last, last half. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the episodes we're going, to be, we're going to be talking about is Devil's Do, and that will be season four, episode 13, uh, The Drumhead, uh, season four, episode 21, The First Duty, uh, season five, uh, episode 19, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, last but not least, All Good Things, season uh, seven. And episode 25 and 26, or as we all know it as the season series uh, finale. (laughs) Okay, so let's start off with the first one. Uh, Let's start off with Devil's Due, season four, episode 13. Justin? Yeah, so I'll just give a little summary from from Memory Alpha. Uh, The Enterprise-D responds to a distress signal from a science station on Ventax 2, where the planet is in chaos over the return of a being who claims to be that culture's devil, with devil in quotation marks. Devil. Yeah, the <laughs> devil. So, um, to me, this one is, it, it feels like it's a, it's like a landlord or someone trying to uh, uphold, a, obviously it is a upholding a contract. Basically, that's what this whole thing ha- starts out that, you know, we get peace or something like that because of this ancient contract that they made back into the past. But like, um, yeah, definitely uh, it's a very interesting to, uh, <laughs> format to be like, oh, this is this contract that was done like uh what it was a thousand years ago a thousand years ago yeah yeah it's a long long time to make good on your contract right yeah i mean maturity uh, and all that kind of stuff and things change along the down the road yeah that kind of the yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah it's a very very interesting I, I actually love this episode mainly because of and i've discussed it with before ardra's uh wardrobe I, I really love what she's wearing and and all that kind of stuff mm. i love it oh i'm sure <laughs> like, i know yeah. which outfit you like the best i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't prove anything <laughs> but yeah uh aside the costumes <laughs> but like yeah it's it definitely what it's definitely a fun episode because i love how I, I just love how data is that judge and he has to be that um unbiased and he really is being unbiased or trying to be what do you guys think yeah it's it, data's role is really interesting and actually one of the things i really like about this episode is the humor in it there's some really funny stuff like when when data is basically the the judge in this contract 
dispute things happen like ardra makes picard disappear and he and he says the advocate will refrain from making her opponent disappear which is hilarious and not the kind of thing you usually see in in courtroom dramas like this so there's like the fate of a planet that's hanging in the balance but there's all of this comedy and it doesn't feel like it's out of place it is actually funny because like in a certain way what's happening is kind of ridiculous and Picard sees it as that like you can't possibly be you know this this person that's like their devil that's coming back after a thousand years there must be some other angle here and he's trying to figure out what's what's going on so I think it's a really nice mix of of humor and drama in a legal drama so I, I think it works well for that well yeah and they originally were just gonna go straight to the courts and then data finds this contract dispute you know that took precedence so that they could have arbitration and then that's what required data to step in you know when ardra chooses him because he's incapable of deceit or bias and there are those you know so it is a pretty serious thing and sort of reminiscent of you know if we're talking the bible like the messiah so coming back how will we recognize you know it's like well how do you recognize me i shook the earth and you know so the talaxians um ben taxians so sorry wrong series yes (laughs) oh neelix is in this one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Ventaxians are very confident that this is, you know, who she says she is. And so to try and disprove it um, sort of is what's hanging in the balance here that Picard has to do. And then he, he disproves them with logic, you know, that, you know, going through their history and everything and, and just basically disproving the whole entire contract altogether. And it's great. But I, I, I was just thinking about this. I was like, wouldn't this be the end of magic? Like use the use of magic. Cause like mm-hmm. you can disappear stuff and everything and whatnot. And it's just like, it just like a magician does. So I don't yeah. Know. Bringing but. science into play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes me think of, I think it was Asimov who said any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Like mm-hmm. to yeah. someone who doesn't have that level of technology, it seems magical. Um, and and actually, the, there's a sequel to this in, in the Prey trilogy of books where basically Ardra is kind of a part of this group of magicians that con people with these things that look like magic tricks. So it's it's really very, very interesting and in how long it takes Picard to really win the case because after a while he's like, unless I figure out the source of this, everybody seems cool with what's going on here. So it takes him actually a long time to to win. <laughs> Yeah, and one thing that I really love, the context of the story is like when Picard's like, well, did Ardra come in and did she clean up the environment? Well, no, we did that. We went to a Gregarian, you know, society. Well, did she, you know, and was like, did she? even pick up a piece of trash? Yes, (laughs) you know, and so just that story of you accomplished this, you know, and that your ancestor that did this. And so don't throw it away and just give it to her because those are your works and your successes and your contributions on why you have this peaceful society. And so I really like that. But find it interesting because had, and who knows, but had they not have had an Ardra contract made up in the beginning, would they have changed it? So someone a thousand years ago came to inspire them. But from then it was all their contributions. Who do you think that person was? 
a very smart person because it it cascaded into other things and uh, and change began and and whatnot. I mean, I, yeah, like I don't want to go into. I, I was just about to just jump into religion, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, well, but, but I mean, um, the I, religious beliefs can have an impact on people's actions, and yeah. I think I think because there's this this. I mean, and, and and they don't really establish in the episode, like, you know, was it a person who was like, hmm, I think I'll uh, see what I can do to make this a better society by making the people believe this, or if they really did have some sort of, like, revelation or something from some sort of deity or something to inspire them mm-hmm. to, to pass that along. They don't, they kind of leave that open, which I like, but somebody transmitted that message. Well, I mean, doesn't that kind of, like, open it up to basically a religion. I mean, they base, they, they base the contract around their laws. And then, of course, things, of course, evolve. And I, I, I say this to a lot of people, and I, I always say, is like whoever thought of the Bible and all that kind of stuff, if let's just say it's a hoax. Let's just say for argument's sake that it is a hoax. Because okay. um, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> but like, let's just say it's a hoax. And... Whoever that person that made made up the Bible and let's say the Quran and all that kind of stuff is a genius because look what it's done to the world. I mean, it's it's uh, it gave more, a morale compass to uh, those that are um, that were I don't know maybe if you want to call it savagery or something like that or savage at that time right? uh, and they were just in tribal villages and all that kind of stuff. But like I mean, and then spread of it throughout the uh, throughout the world to be kind to each other and whatnot. That's genius. Now, I'm not saying anything <laughs> about religion being a hoax because I actually do believe in God and all that, but I'm just saying that's just one of those things that um, I talk to, or I, I, I subjects I bring about uh, when someone wants to talk religion. It's like, well, maybe, maybe it's all fake or something like that. What do you think about that? And usually it generates quite a bit. <laughs> quite a bit of discussion, I'm sure. I'm sure you might get uh, some comments on negative, this. but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so like the interesting thing about Star Trek is you can take a look at it on a case-by-case basis for these different worlds and see like what is the the real basis for this. And I mean, you have different examples. Like here, it seems like it's clear that somebody did that in order to organize things for society and she's a con woman and all of that. But then you have other examples like Deep Space Nine where they kind of leave it up to how you feel about it, whether this is really a you know group of deities or not, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it can generate some interesting discussion. And I think that, you know, religion can lead to good actions or bad actions like any, you know, code of behavior or anything that people say it can be good or bad. For these people, somehow over the course of a thousand years, it's been like this really good thing that's almost led them to like this utopian society like the federation but in a different way which is kind of an interesting contrast yeah yeah i I had a couple other things i wanted to to say about it so i mean first of all i think we should acknowledge that that this episode even though it's season four of the next generation it actually has its basis in the star trek tv show that was supposed to happen in the the 70s that we now call phase two where there was like a similar not a similar, it was kind of a similar story, but I think it's interesting they took that story that was from all those years before and adapted it for the next generation. And also, like, at, at the end of this episode, there is this, there's going to be, a, there's got to be a big change in their society, right? Like, it's been organized around this kind of prophecy and things that might happen in in the future, 
And now they found that there was somebody who was conning them and nobody was really coming back to do that. Like what kind of effect does that have on, on the society? And it makes me think of justice as well. Like, you know, they've intervened in, in their society and what they believe and what kind of impact is that going to have? I've got to think it's go- going to have a huge impact, even if they knew they did these things themselves. Like what, what is their future to look forward to or to organize things around? Right. Well, yeah. And that's what I found interesting was that, you know, whoever came in and inspired them to change, they made this contract that in a thousand years, I'm going to take over. Like who, so whoever inspired them was, did not have, you know, good intentions because otherwise they wouldn't have, you know, laid down this contract with this society. So, and same with the Edo you know, on justice, because the Edo's out there watching over them, making sure that there's, you know, that's their little, their little followers. And so I just, it makes me question the reason as to why these beings would take possession or control. I don't but know. But the beings in, in justice? I mean, like- Well, both of them. So whoever inspired the you know, the Ventaxians, like they made a contract. It could have just been a regular Ventaxian who said, there's this contract that's been made with Ardra and they don't have any real, and, and you're taking it on faith that there was this Ardra who visited and we made a contract and here it is. They don't really say exactly how it, how it happened. So, but, but then even whoever made that, like is saying there's a contract that in a thousand years, you're going to lose all of your freedoms and stuff like that, that. That's the ultimate of like pushing off the consequences, right? Like oh, I'm going to be long dead so in a thousand years. Motivation. Right? Is or that maybe what they is? were thinking that by then they'll overthrow Ardra when she comes back and they'll be more powerful than her. I don't know. Hmm. That was also my other thought. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Edo, you couldn't, I mean, that's something physical in the sky. Right. You can't really go against that. I mean, that's that's probably the ult, the ultimate sign of true power that you're always in the sky and you can do stuff on a fly. And, you know, you you can't really disprove that. <laughs> Whereas Arja, you probably could. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. Because it was a thousand years. All right. So I guess we'll move on. Uh, we're going to go to one of... Amy's favorites, the drumhead. Amy? Yes, very excited. Um, love this episode. Good courtroom through the whole thing. So it says, an overzealous Starfleet admiral begins a witch hunt aboard the Enterprise, determined to find a conspiracy and eventually accuse Captain Picard of treason. Admiral Satie, shame on you. Da, da, da. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is the episode that we loved her at a wardrobe. And everything. Or no, no, we had it. We talked about her wardrobe a long time ago. <laughs> about her elaborate uniforms and everything for being a natural. Oh. Are, are there are there costume choices you like in each of these episodes? <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one, no, but yeah. <laughs> oh. So I I like this episode, and basically almost the entire thing is this courtroom and this. Inquisition, I guess you would call it, because it's they're trying to gather evidence to try and figure out if there's a conspiracy and they find the Klingon and his DNA is in this hypospray and that's sending communications and stuff. 
But that's not the end of it. So even when they figure out that there was no collusion to uh, for the uh, warp drive to explode or whatever, there that was just uh, wear and tear, right? Some cracks, I think they said. Yeah, it was a de- it was a defect. It was an accident. Yeah. But, they use, but Sati uses that as an excuse because there might be something going on somewhere. Right. Yeah. And so it's like if you want to find a conspiracy, you will find a conspiracy one way or the other, right? That's sort of the general gist of this episode. And poor crewman Tarsus. Poor guy. Aww. To get interrogated like that because of his ears. Yeah, yes. Richard is wearing some ears. And I think you said before recording that those are your Romulan ears, but you're no, trying no, no, to be no, 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 like no. a Vulcan. They're Vulcan. Okay. They're definitely Vulcan. Okay. Yeah. We don't we don't we don't talk about black ops like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I am wearing the Novos uh, friggin' um, Vulcan ears, and they're 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 actually not bad, actually. <laughs> so I was able to watch this episode with my brother, and uh, you know we watched it, and this is when I was up in in Utah, and he's a big Star Trek fan, and so at the end he asked me this question, and he was like, and I want to ask it to you: Do you think Admiral Satie like her? purpose was to take down Picard. You mean why she was sent there for this? I will leave the question open to your interpretation. I, like, Amy, I, I don't think that, that that's her purpose. I think what happens is they're really concerned about, I guess, this this um, incident with the, the warp drive because it shouldn't happen. And it seems like maybe there's some sabotage. So she's sent to investigate. The investigation starts and as you know, they apprehend the Klingon, that's done. There's the accident here. She kind of moves on and she moves to Tarsus and then from there to Picard. I think she's kind of improvising what she's doing. And I think there's an implication in the episode that she's kind of mentally unstable at this point and has become paranoid. And so she's kind of using her authority to navigate around where she feels she can find you know, the, the biggest problem or the biggest charges to level and what bigger thing to do than to accuse Picard of something as she's going through her investigation. But I don't think she starts out that way. And in fact, toward the beginning of the episode, she's very pleasant to to Picard um, and very much like, let's work together. Let's see what's going on. So I don't think she has anything against him. But over time she does because she's going through this investigation, getting more and more paranoid and eventually hits on all of these things that that Picard has done to break the prime directive and things that she thinks are, are questionable. And in her mind, then he becomes a big enemy. I think that this could very well turn into, I mean, not, I mean, maybe they had uh, an idea or something like that, but I think that this could turn in, this could have turned into something like later on down the road in this, uh, to, uh, in the season or in the series that, she might have had some kind of resentment towards Picard because that's what it ultimately feels like that when she, uh, straight from the get-go that she was after him in the very first place and she just needed an excuse to go after him. It just it just seems like it's overkill to bring a, an admiral. Was she was she wasn't in retirement? Was she? she's retired? Yeah. Yeah, they pulled her out of retirement. Yeah. It, so she they so they pulled her out of retirement. So it's a little bit overkill to bring a retired judge. Well, that is a little mysterious. Right, exactly. So that's why I'm thinking, like, maybe she had some favors. She was like, I heard about this case. Right. I really want to go after Picard. And it very well could have turned into something like a conspiracy later on down the road. 
Um, whether or not that was their intentions or not, or if they were thinking like that, uh, th- that would be very interesting to me to tie in this episode with it. I'm not saying that this episode has no meaning, but, but yeah, like I think the way it was built, it felt like that that's exactly what was going to happen. Um, is that something like, like they were going to do like an origin story of her, why she has so much resentment towards him. So, well, it's interesting you bring up that cause bring up conspiracy because I sort of, was feeling that notion uh, as I was watching it, because like in conspiracy, when Picard asked Data to look at all the previous orders coming from Starfleet and, you know, just looking at this massive list of commands and then recognizing patterns from it, it's sort of what she did with Picard and just said, I'm looking at the entire expanse of your career decisions and these decisions, you've broken the prime directive. And, and so looking at this mass, it sort of brought it back to conspiracy where it's like, yeah, you're going to find something and there may be excuses for it, but what's the pattern overall? I thought it was an interesting twist that she did against Picard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even though Picard says that all of the explanations for the violations of the Prime Directive are on file, and it seems like commands accepted that, she's you know, she's just going to keep pushing it. I, yeah, I hadn't really thought about what her real purpose might be. I thought that she had just gotten paranoid at, at some point and is just kind of rooting around for somebody important to take down. I've taken down bigger men than you, Picard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's like what she's looking for to I maybe have some sort of uh, recapturing of glory of other people she's taken down. Who knows who that's been or why, you know? Of course, I think we have to mention Simon Tarsus in this episode, right? Played by Spencer Garrett. Yes, we do. <laughs> we interviewed previously. We did from Star Trek Las Vegas. He's so awesome. One of Amy's favorites, I think I'd say, yeah. <laughs> yes, definite favorite. He's just was so nice and kind to us the whole convention and gave us a great interview and so yes yeah and i think <laughs> and i think he does a great job in this and and points up another thing besides the paranoia which is that the reason that he kind of gets in trouble is because he lied on his application he didn't say that he was part romulan i guess because there's a prejudice against romulans in starfleet even at 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 this point or someone that that's that's part romulan and um, I think it points up something really important, which is that, uh, you know, sometimes there can be someone who's considered an enemy and people might suspect someone, as Picard says, shares the blood of a current enemy just because of that and not because of anything else. And for Sati, it's enough that he had this lie on the application to think he must be involved in this conspiracy. He must be working for the Romulans or in, in some way um, a traitor. And I think it's it's a really important message not to to judge people just because of, you know, their heritage or beliefs. Yeah, for something that they cannot change. Or exactly. how they look. Or how they look. Richard mm-hmm. keeps pointing to his ears. I thought you said they're Vulcan ears. <laughs> <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are. But what did you put on your application, Mr. Tarsus? <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, that putting that character into it in the midst of this paranoia and this, this witch hunt is... It's really interesting. It's it's an excellent episode. I think it's one of the the best of the episodes. I mean, I think all, pretty much all the episodes we're looking at are really good, but I think this is one of the best and most important. You know how I don't like ranking things, but this is I know very how you don't good. like ranking things, but I I can't help it. 
I mean, it's more to encourage people like listeners, if you haven't seen the drumhead in a while, you should see it because if anything, it's just as relevant, if not more than it was, you know, 25 years ago. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So on to the next one. Um, And we're going off of the first duty. Okay. So following an accident during an academy training exercise that leads to the death of Wesley Crusher. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's my fanfic. I'm sorry. That was bad. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Anyway. So... Following an accident during an academy training exercise that leads to the death of one of his friends, Wesley Crusher must decide whether loyalty or truth is the first duty. Yeah, you you kind of hinted at Picard's (laughs) quote in your summary. Nice job. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) I really, I really like this episode and if... I get why some people don't like Wesley, but this episode, he shines. I think this is a great episode for Wesley Crusher, and I you can't hate him in this episode. He does so good, and it's a good story, and he's written well. He's complex, but we're here to talk about the courtroom drama of it all. Oh, man, we weren't going to bash on Will Wheaton? No, we are not. <laughs> Come on, he, <laughs> Richard, I think he does a, a really good job in this episode, and, and Wesley is 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 very interesting, like, what he has to deal with and struggle with, don't you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I No, I totally agree. Okay. No, I'm just giving, I'm just giving crap. <laughs> I'm just giving crap. I, That's got, all. I got you a wharf mug. Maybe I should have gotten you a Wesley mug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listeners might not know. You might have got it in return to pieces. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, listeners might not know. I, I sent some mugs as as uh, Christmas presents. Worf for Richard and Troy for uh, for Amy. So, but if I really wanted to make you guys angry, I would have gotten Wesley for um, Richard. for Richard me. and Roe for Amy. <laughs> I was just about to say oh, that. I was just I'm about like, to say who that. could you get me that I don't you like? Could, okay, you had to bring Roe up. <laughs> Let, let's 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 bring it up another notch. Let's just put a picture of them kissing. Oh no, that's bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, back to the first duty. <laughs> Sorry for the tangent. Um, no. No, I think this is this is really good, and I think there's a couple of things. Like, I think this is the first time that we actually see Starfleet Academy. Is that right? I think I think it might be the case. I'll, I might be wrong, but yeah. You might be right. Yeah, you, know, you might. Be but we right, yeah. we see Starfleet Academy, and we see this inquiry, like this this Starfleet inquiry that happens at at the academy, and it's really interesting with the testimony that's provided and the evidence that they have and the investigation that goes on. I think, you know, this is one, um, you know, compared to let's say what happens in the Devils Do, which is it's, again, it's that's an alien justice system, and and there's this bizarre contract that that they're, um, you know talking disputing about over, yeah. disputing over in in this one it's it's more standard like someone's died we need to have an inquiry and let's see what we what we find out but of course the really interesting thing is you know wesley's struggle with the truth versus you know his duty and, and loyalty to uh to to his friends so i really like that that struggle that that he has in in this episode but like the the drama itself is interesting because i think the first time you see it you aren't quite sure where it's going or or what happened, or at least I wasn't. Yeah. And that's, I love that twist because rear Admiral brand, like at the beginning, she's just going off the evidence they have and they only have it, you know, the first three minutes or whatever. And then it cuts out. Mm 
So everything else is taken on the word of the cadets. And I love that point where uh, Beverly is talking to Wesley saying, well, there's must be, oh, then they got the um, additional footage where, oh, that was a brilliant scene where Admiral Brand just catches him in a lie. <laughs> Well, like, oh, we really? Have, Let me show you this footage. Yes. Is this the formation? You know, and just I just felt so much for Wesley and he's caught in a lie. And still with that evidence, Beverly comes in and is like, well, there must be something wrong with the transmission. So we're going to figure that out because you're not lying. Like that's that's the pivotal point for this. Yeah. scene. And you know, one thing I noticed this time around is the contrast between what you see here with Wesley, where he is caught in a lie and he's pressured to tell a lie in front of, you know, an admiral and a captain and official inquiry versus what you see in Justice four years before when the Edo are questioning and he says, we're Starfleet, we don't lie. Oh, yeah. And here he is now in, in officially like in Starfleet and he's lying. So... What happens to to change between that that point, what like early on in the series when he was really young and idealistic, and now when he's hitting the realities of what it's like actually, you know, being in the academy and what might happen in in Starfleet, something very different happens. So I think that's interesting how that changes, and I think that also you know affects what you see later on in in Journey's End, where Wesley's not happy and wants to get out of of Starfleet. So this is kind of like. I think that that midway point where he's really question has to start to question where things have taken him and if this is the right path for him. But that struck me a lot this time. Like he said, we don't lie because you know I just watched that recently for what we were doing and I hadn't thought about it before. Because we're Starfleet. We're Starfleet. And now you we don't know why lie. I don't like Will Wheaton. I'm sorry, Wesley Crusher. <laughs> Season one, Wesley Crusher. I mean, th- this is in- this is different though. This is a different. It is Crusher. Different. Yeah, you definitely see that he's ex- uh, he's far more experienced this is this time around. And like I said, you know, he in a sense in this what he what he's doing is that he's showing loyalty to his well Nova Squadron yeah. uh, team and. Um, I mean, I, okay, yes, I know it's a Wesley episode, and I can't stand Wesley, but this is a good episode <laughs> in general. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, it's, I don't know. It, when I was watching this last I think this was a couple days ago, it's like, it, it's, it bothers me every time I see a courtroom drama, because, uh, like, yeah, my degree's in it, and I'm like, uh, you know, it's it, it just, yeah. Like, how's, how's, it, how's it different from what you would expect? Well, so in a normal court, okay, so this format is basically uh, an inquiry, mm-hmm. um, court martial inquiry before actual charges get filed and all that kind of stuff. They're trying to figure out the, what's going on and everything. They would not be uh, talking to each other. <laughs> oh, they'd be <laughs> they'd secluded? Be quarantined. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they would be quarantined. Um, and that's what bothers me. Unless they're more I mean, trusting a couple hundred years from now. <laughs> <laughs> even to even today now when you say they'd yeah. be quarantined you you mean that like the like in this case the cadets would be just would not be able to interact with each other like they do in the episode yeah right exactly and it, it's the same thing with courtroom procedures today i mean it's the same thing too you wouldn't be talking to the witness if you were the person that's Right, and if two people right. are accused, accused, you probably don't keep them in the same jail cell to talk to each other right yeah exactly. it's the prisoner's <laughs> exactly. dilemma mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, but I mean, yeah, I know drama, it happens and it, 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 it generates a really good show and it, it did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for the most part, I mean, this is a really, uh, growing, um, uh, push off point for Wesley to be that, uh, be that, or to get bit, nipped in the butt for a lie that in a sense killed someone. Um, yeah. and he could have really paid the ultimate price. Like, like Lucerno did. And, well, but it's not the it's not the lie it. that that killed the person. It's participating in it in the first place. And well, but he's still lying. No, no, he's still lying. But what gets the person killed is that they all agree to participate in this. They need the five people to do it, right? Yeah. The so if they hadn't had Wesley participate, maybe they couldn't do it. So it's actually partly his participation that is responsible for for this this kind of thing happening. Right. right. Well, and, and also the idea Nova Squadron being best of the best and putting on a good show and the culture and the pressure of expectations, whether they put them on themselves or the, the students and, you know, the graduation ceremony that they wanted to do something above and beyond, you know, like that external pressures and not saying that you give into them like that, but that definitely has a play into it as well and should be looked at. You know, because it was going on back when Picard was at Academy. Because when Boofy says, well, remember this experience? And it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's nothing compared to what people think of the Nova Squadron. So there's definitely a lot of pressures going on in this episode. And where where does the blame go? Yeah, and it's probably tough in this situation where you have pressure from these people that you've gone to the academy with and you want to fit in and be loyal to them and have a great ceremony graduation ceremony in this case and you're thinking like yeah we can all handle it it's it's no problem right so but i think it also makes you think like okay if i was in that situation what would i do right i mean for for myself personally i know exactly what i would do and it, and it would mean we wouldn't have an episode i just wouldn't participate in the thing in the first place but <laughs> That's that's just me. I couldn't see but participating in something that dangerous. But that's 40-year-old Justin. Go back to, you know, 18-year-old Justin. I'm not 40 just yet, but I'm close. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, no, I Thanks. no, it's no, there I mean there there's definitely truth there where when you're younger maybe you'd be willing to do something a little more a little more dangerous. You yeah. are, and I think more susceptible to peer pressure. I mean, I'm not saying that you would. I'm just saying that you know, you can't, it, it's not proper to say, well, I wouldn't do that. But you have the experience of, you know, living a few more years than young Wesley, who's been sheltered on a starship, you know, does not have the major peer pressures of teens around, you know, he's used to dealing with adults. And so being thrown into Starfleet with tons of peers and that pressure I think it is a little, you know, explainable as to why he went along. Yeah. But somehow it's been banned for like a hundred years and nobody yeah. else has tried it. That's interesting. <laughs> I doubt that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I love the, I love the reference to Jaeger. I love oh, that. the Jaeger loop. They do, oh, the Jaeger loop. I love that. Yeah. That is a nice, a nice reference. Yeah. You, uh, you guys know who uh, who Jaeger is, right? Chuck Jaeger. Yeah, he was the. Who was he? The first guy to break the sound barrier. Yep. Okay. Yep. 
Yes, sir. So yeah, definitely a reference to him. <laughs> so that yeah, that's cool. When they talk about this loop, I don't think you've heard of before. And then they show how it worked. I like that too. They they actually had these graphics like here's the formation, and then they go up like this yeah. and around and 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 the actually the graphic that they have for the um, when they do this starburst, it looks really cool. It's like yeah. <laughs> anyway. I had a question actually about that now that you bring it up. So thank you. So at the very beginning in deposition where they're talking to Nick Lacarno, Admiral Brand is, you know, interrogating him and questioning him. And so he has this simulation that's, well, this is what we were doing. And it shows this whole computer simulation like that right there is an is a lie, right? What that simulation was doctored. Am I correct? Well, no. Well, no. I mean, I think that's what they were intending to do. So they're already no. Probably they never would have been were intending to do what Lick, Lick, no, Nick Lacarno was saying. No, but they filed a flight plan saying that's what they were going to do. Right. right. So, so they would have already that had that simulation was doctored to say they were going to do this, even though they knew they were going to do something different. Well, yeah. I mean, they 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 were lying by saying we have this flight plan and here's a simulation for how it will will look, but. I mean, I think everybody expected that's what they were going to do. Well, not on the squadron, but everyone else. Well, no, everyone else, right? But, yeah. but yeah. Okay. But I don't so think they then had a that after was the, fact. the plan that they submitted, mm-hmm. and so he was just giving that as evidence. I think well, so. I yeah. think that's definitely, you know, the beginning of the lie, right? Sure. There. Yeah. Yeah. The end of Nova Squadron and the beginning of Red Squad. <laughs> Red Squad. Oh, that's Deep Space Nine, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Amy. that's why maybe I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> There's another squad of of uh, cadets who think they're the elite in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Red. That's basically what this was. Yeah. Nova Squadron was basically the elite of the elite. Now, like, I guess one, maybe one last thing on on this one. So, I mean, this happens because someone dies, right? right. Um. And like I'm trying to think back to the other ones that that we've talked about, if there was ever anything like that at stake where where someone had died and and there was an inquiry. Oh, actually, matter perspective, Rutgers oh, on yeah. trial for murder. <laughs> yeah. But for a lot of these, it isn't because someone's died. It's because like there's a challenge or they're looking into something or you know Wesley's accused of <laughs> of uh, stepping on some plants, you know, stuff yeah. like that. But I think it's one of the rare ones in, in the next generation where it's happening be- with some real consequences. Someone died. Well, so moving on to the season, our series finale is all good things. Really, it's not really all good things, but it is the end of it. <laughs> so not that all good things needs an introduction, but in case you forgot, Picard learns from Q that he's to be the cause of annihilation of humanity and begins an incredible journey through time from the present to the past, where he first took command of an enterprise to 25 years into the future. So this one, you know, is the bookend with Encounter at Farpoint, which we talked about last time. So what do you think about this trial compared to well, Encounter. you know, when when you when you included this on the list, Amy, at first I was I was a little bit puzzled. Um, I mean, I guess it is the conclusion of the trial that kind of started an encounter at Farpoint, but it there's not like specifically a, like a proceeding that's going on, right? Well, there is. What do you mean? Yeah, when Picard gets and we've got Q in his uh, judge gown and hat and everything. Did you? 
Well, no, I, I rewatched it, but because oh. it's taken a while to get to this episode, it's it's been a little bit. Oh yeah, he does take him back there, but um, yeah, so he goes back. But it's just him and Q in in the room, right? In the in, right. back in that courtroom. But it's still he's acting as judge, and that's why when you know Picard is like so surprised, he's like humanity's already proven that we're peaceful. Why are we here again? You know, it's like he thought that it was done, but then, you know, Q's coming out and he's like, I will allow you 10 questions. And so I, I, to me, that's the courtroom because humanity is still being judged and has been judged that you are inferior. And so we have decided to remove you and annihilate you. I mean, I guess it's the same setting, but it's, it's just, um, it's it's just a it's it's really unusual though because there's there's no spectators there's nobody else that's that's there and Picard is kind of like asking these questions to figure out what's what's going on but yeah I mean I guess it is the bookend to that 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 proceeding yeah because that's where judgment is taking place it's like um, you're going to be annihilated and you're the cause of it you will do it you have done it you are doing it you know. <laughs> And thank goodness he passes the test. Again. Otherwise, that'd be a boring. <laughs> and DS9, Voyager. It, it Humani- no humanity's exist. annihilated. And um, yeah, sorry, no more Star Trek. <laughs> At least going forward from that point in time. Or there's a mirror universe that there is no more Star Trek after this point. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been weird if they decided to just, yeah. We'll just annihilate humanity. Sorry, the movie's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no nemesis, Amy. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, d- Richard, ahead. do you think this is a courtroom? I think so. Yeah, well... I'm, well Good, really, because that's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, but a lot of the focus of, of the episode is, is Picard you know, figuring out this puzzle of what he mm-hmm. needs to do. Yeah. And there's been, yeah, not every episode that we've talked about is like the drumhead where the entire thing is episode or is, you know, the entire thing is a courtroom. This is, there is an element of courtroom drama here. And in my opinion, just totally, yeah. Bookends with encounter at Farpoint, where we have the first and now we have the, we find out that the trial never ended. We've never, the cue has never stopped judging you. I mean, that's why it's such a great ending because it ties in the very first episode. Yeah. yeah. Although interestingly, like I think uh, Picard asks if if mankind's being put on trial again, and Q says no. <laughs> I guess that's because it's continuing. But right. Yeah. Like it was. I always love watching this this episode, but it was it was one of the ones where um, I don't know. I think of it as maybe it's like the the framework of it. But it's it's not as much a, a a part of the episode. But it is interesting to think of it in in that way. But it's definitely a bookmark to what happens in Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, mm-hmm. bookend. Sorry, Amy. I, yeah. I'm just like I was struggling with it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think you know when Picard, you know, is talking to Q, and it's like Picard recognizes who Q is. He's just another being, and the, and it's like it's not for you to judge. You know, stop judging us. Oh, but it is, you know. We are going to end your trek through the stars. I love that line. Um, you know, you have to wait so, a few years to talk about the star trek. Yes. <laughs> but trek through the stars. I like that. 
You know, and so here Q is this race that's, you know, putting his race as judge, jury, and executioner. And it's like, yep, humanity's going to be destroyed. We're going to make room for, you know, smarter, more intelligent race. So, you know, I just think <laughs> as Richard is. Richard's pointing to himself. <laughs> you, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I think that the idea of courtroom is still very, very evident mm. in this episode. Just because we're not sitting in a specific courtroom. Okay. It's the idea no, it's very interesting because I hadn't <clears throat> before this I hadn't really thought of it as much in in that way when mm-hmm. when I think of because I think of it more there's these three different time periods Picard has to figure out this puzzle and Q's messing with him. That's kind of how I how I think about Basically, it. Yeah. Like whereas in Encounter Farpoint it's it's clear that, you know, Q is putting him on trial throughout the episode to see where he's what he's doing. Well, and Picard's like, "Well, I hope this is the last time that we are on trial." And Q's like, the trial never ends. And I the just trial, The trial, yeah. <laughs> the trial never ends, but yep. at, the, at this point, Q is going to move off to um, to bother Janeway instead. <laughs> Anti-Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, we've talked about this. I think, Richard, we talked about this in the fifth TNG movie one a, a while back, but boy, it would have been great to have Q in a movie. I would have loved that. Yeah, but it never happened. That definitely, like, uh, it was him all along that was pl- that was basically pulling the strings, like Amy was doing just a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't. I mean, it, also, it's interesting. We don't get any kind of courtroom or legal drama in um, in the movies, right? So, it's just, just not a, a, no? a setting uh, in the TNG movies, I should say. Right. There are elements of that in the in TOS and Kelvin Timeline movies. Yeah, but the reboot not ones. TNG really. That no, I can think right. of, <laughs> which isn't which is interesting because we've had something in almost every season except for season six. There's been some kind of courtroom or legal drama or some kind of connection, but in the movies, nothing. So. Yeah, it really should have happened with insurrection, you know, because there's that bad mm. moral, you know, that takes over the Baku and stuff. But you mean the movie that doesn't exist? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> Okay. You know, they, I mean, they could have actually um, had something in, in first contact with like an inquiry about, you know, uh, lo- basically losing the Enterprise D, which does happen in one of the books. But um, that would have been interesting if that was a, like a part of first contact to kind of bridge things from generations. But yeah, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they decided not to. Again, even though there are courtroom proceedings in TOS movies and Kelvin Timeline movies, there's nothing in the TNG movies. Yeah. Well, D, um, Troy, you know, did crash the ship, you know. She just you know. No courtroom needed <laughs> no. for that. She's completely innocent, following oh, orders. Okay. Yes, and she was saving she everybody's nemesis too. She was saving everybody's <laughs> lives. Exactly. <laughs> Even spots. Oh, so it's okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Picard uh, told her to crash the ship in Nemesis, okay? <laughs> oh. Yeah, both times. <laughs> <laughs> so i got it i got it <laughs> sorry it's always going to be awesome. two against one when we talk about troy here yeah i bring it so plaintiff that would be you justin <laughs> your closing argument sir <laughs> well i think that uh this was a really great uh, thing that we've done looking at all of these you know courtroom dramas and legal proceedings we're seeing things that are taking place on alien planets we're seeing q's version of justice 
you know, we're also seeing um, more official things for Starfleet JAG proceedings and Starfleet Academy proceedings. So I think there's a really great variety of these kind of courtroom and legal dramas. And I think, and even, you know, seeing how things work in a hearing in, in the Klingon High Council. So there's there's a lot of variety. Uh, and we got to talk about a lot of, you know, Im- important issues and the consequences that happen to to different societies. So I, I think it was a really great examination. And I think, you know, all of these episodes, you know, are either really good or have really good elements to them. So um, I've, I've enjoyed this, you know, a lot over the two parts. Awesome. Awesome. And the defendant side, Amy? Yeah, uh, Justin really summarized it as he was talking. I'm like, oh, I was going to say that. But yeah, we get to see, yeah, the Klingons and, you know, all we get to see what it supposedly looks like on Alien as well as within Starfleet. And so we get that rounded idea of what really is justice and you know, how do others view it? And then by looking at it through Starfleet, we can analyze and look at it within our lives. And what is it that we are judging? What is it that, you know, our justice system does? Is it fair? Is it legal? You know, is that the same one and the same? Or is it different? You know, is it moral? I think we have a lot of laws on the book that are, you know, obviously for society, but have their roots in morality and so to look at that and to have things change over time like say over a thousand years or whatever it's just interesting to see how uh starfleet and star trek deals with that idea of justice and laws and stuff so it's been i've really really enjoyed it and yes all good things is a courtroom drama what do you think richard well, I had a lot of fun doing uh, doing this. This is um, especially when I'm going to be uh, determining your guys' fate in a minute. Um, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, definitely uh, looking through all these episodes, it, it definitely puts a different perspective um, on just basically, you know, looking through the lens of uh, through, through your just uh, criminal justice system and how it could ultimately be different. Uh, and you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like I said. I, I love I do love courtroom dramas in general. Um, some of them I can't I can't even stand to watch, but some of them most of them I do. But like um, yeah, they're they're just it's it's a great way to look at it on how uh, how what, what where their moral compass is uh, based on the race, and you could also tell them what their um, where where they stand. So definitely within their laws. So yeah. Great choice. Uh, thank you, Standard Orbit, and mm-hmm. thank you, Rebecca, for re- uh, reply for uh, suggesting this and um you guys need to stand for your judgment you ready all rise (laughs) on your feet criminals (laughs) (laughs) so with this gracious court i'm gonna have to unfortunately recite the rule of 2036 the new united nations declare that no earth citizen could be it could be made to answer for the crimes of a race, or the forebears, or a a a, a, a podcast. Yay! <laughs> because oh. this is a court of twenty seventy, not twenty seventy nine. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I find these two hosts <sighs> reluctantly not guilty. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
Party I was hoping to forward. swing the axe. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. For a second, I all thought right. you were going to say, kill all the lawyers and say, these two must be executed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that mean. <laughs> then he all wouldn't right. have anyone to podcast with. <laughs> That's right. It would be a very boring show, and I doubted anybody would want to hear me laughing all the time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Richard. <laughs> Well, it's been so much fun determining these counselors' fates, but this isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here is what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Earl Grey. Exactly. I mean, like, Arsenal of Freedom, like, there's plot A, plot B, and plot C, if you look at it. I mean, this episode really has a lot going, because when I think of Arsenal of Freedom, I don't think of it as a Geordi episode, but yet... We've just mentioned two really important uh, moments with Jordy and him taking command and, you know, building his character. So it's, it's a great episode. Stage 9, a podcast about the people who make Star Trek. I mean, it's, you know, there's a scene with a bear in Leonardo DiCaprio and, you know, whatever. I, as I understand it, it's not a pleasant scene. They're not high five each other. It's pretty intense, you know. I wouldn't say it's unbearable, Ah. but it's pretty intense. Waka waka. (laughs) Anyway. The 602 Club. For me, first of all, only being the second Star Wars book I've ever read, um, I like the difference of having a series of short stories and not just one novel by one author like the Claudia Gray book that I read, uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Okay, so I'm reading this really great book that I recommend. It's The Ultimate Star Trek and Philosophy, The Search for Socrates. Um, it's it's a collection of stories from all different authors, um, and it's it's been on my bookshelf for a year. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. Now, if you're an Apple user, as you should be, right, Richard? Yes, ma'am, you should. (laughs) Be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our li- our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, and we love getting your emails, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So, Justin, where can people contact you? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. And I'm continuing my season four rewatch of TNG right now. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. Richard, where can people find you? 
They can find me sharpening my axe for my next uh, hearing. Um, I'm I'm on Facebook. <laughs> I'm I'm also on I'm on Facebook. Uh, I pop in here and there uh, in the Babel conference. And if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, I'm not really active at the moment because I'm busy with my dog. But uh, uh, training my dog, nothing else. <laughs> Why don't you tweet about um, that? You can fo- What's that? Oh yeah, I guess I could. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I could. <laughs> but you can also follow me on uh, on Twitter, and my handle is xransom. Amy, where can people find you? Well, you can find me here on the network. I'm a co-host of The Edge and hosting Postcards from The Edge, which is, as we talked about, uh, going to be starting up now that we've got the second half of the first season coming on. So you can find us there. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. Uh, But my favorite place is on the Babel Conference along with everyone else. Now, if you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all of the details. We got some fun perks for you, like early access to our episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It does require a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support at any level that you can give us and hope that you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. At this time, we'd like to recognize our current associate producers with all the love for the new year. And it goes to Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, and Michael Huter. Thank you so much for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. The advocate will refrain from making her opponent disappear. Great joy and gratitude. Reverse the decision. Death to the host. <laughs> <laughs>